Hello, guys. This is Apple Treats, our fourth episode. Hello, Irina. Uh, hi, uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, today we have a very special guest, uh, and we will be talking about work uh, in big teams on iOS projects, uh, some specific of this. Yeah, and uh, let us introduce the guest, actually. Uh, and uh, well, <laughs> it's actually a very, very, very important guest. And uh, he works for one company. You probably heard of that company called Atlassian. So, Nikita, could you tell us what you do there, uh, how you end up working for Atlassian? Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me. Glad to be here. And yeah, like a little bit about my story. So, I'm working in Atlassian for uh, almost four years. And before that, I was like working for various companies, big and small startups and consultings and like Fortune 500s and so on and so on. But um, Atlassian is a special special journey of mine. As you mentioned, it's like the company that's close to every engineer. Like we live in Jira, we keep all our knowledge and confluence and so on and so on. But my personal passion uh, across many years of work in software is mobile. And uh, in Atlassian, I'm in a confluence mobile team. I'm a principal engineer there. I'm uh, responsible for uh, supervising architecture of iOS stream for confluence mobile. It's basically, we, we've got uh, an engineer who works for mobile and probably you also can give us some insights on uh, how to work on the mobile projects. And you're working for the company who, which actually now defines on uh, how we work on the projects. Well, we, we all use uh, these tools and everything. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about how uh, how to work on the uh, mobile and... Uh, for, for the mobile projects in the big world, I mean, in terms of uh, when, when we have not just one developer, but we have a whole team. <laughs> yeah, so uh, like... For, for the mobile projects, as for companies as a whole, uh, there are like uh, different uh, challenges while they're growing. And uh, I, I think that the, for um, small uh, for small projects, uh, there are like not many challenges as you see when you grow like to uh, sizes of uh, 10 engineers like or tens of engineers or hundreds of engineers and like of a thousands of engineers, right? So um, for thousands of engineers, there are like not many companies like this. There is like uh, uh, Facebook, uh, Uber, like some others, right? Uh, probably, I would say, uh, I don't have an exact number on so this, it's my expectations. Uh, but for the tens uh, of engineers, that's like closer to uh, Atlassian size for the Confluence Mobile. And uh, at this level, you're already uh, having projects where you're bumping heads into each other. If you have a single code base that's uh, not uh, divided properly between the like responsibilities and so on. So uh, that means that we, uh, in our particular uh, project, we emphasize a lot modularization. Uh, several years ago, there was a, like a um, concept that mobile applications should not be uh, large. Like uh, it should do single um, uh, thing, uh, like uh, pretty clear and understandable. So, uh, is it uh, true now, or uh, applications try to build ecosystem? Uh, what uh, around itself? Uh, 
that's an interesting question. It's uh, uh, I, I think like in big companies like uh, Atlassian or Google or like uh, any others, it's like uh, reaching some level of maturity. The experiences are becoming very rich, right? Even the um, like uh, relatively simple stuff like logging into the application becoming a uh, platform solution. And uh, in, in, in many companies, there is this identity team, right? So identity team who are responsible for a set of screens of the login flow, like restore passwords uh, and so on and so on. And uh, that's obviously like a very uh, important job to do because there are like a security challenges uh, the onboarding flow uh, very often in, uh, integrated into the identity. And uh, if the, your very first screens are not working as expected, right? You like, uh, like that's main funnel for your users to jump into the app. So that's need to be done right. But uh, on the small companies, you usually have a couple of engineers who are rushing like several input fields integrating this with an API and uh, you're done, right? Your identity is complete. On the, in the big companies, you are getting the several engineers for each of the screens and you're getting the set of managers and there is a big hierarchy, responsibilities, goals, measures, and so on. Like even the uh, analytics within this funnel and good understanding of what's going on within it take like months. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh, it's not about uh, that we're trying to do everything in our app. It's we're trying to do uh, better each and every aspect of our application. Mm -hmm. So yet another example, uh, Confluence is uh, about uh, entering the content into the um, into the spaces or so, like you have uh, editor, which is a very important part of the application and uh, editor can start like very simple from the input field, right? The text field with a multi-line input. And at some point, okay, that's an attributed string where you're starting to do some formatting and so on. And uh, at the level where confluence is with having a smart macros and sorted as a part of the content, which every macros may have its own workflow and it's becoming an app by its own, right? And uh, moreover, uh, confluence has a, an ecosystem of the macros, so like the third-party developers can uh, mm -hmm. uh, write uh, their own macros, and we still need to provide the. Uh, good integrations for them to work on each platform that we support. Um, you have matrices for iOS too? Are that's uh, uh, that's a goal? Yeah, like so that's our north star. Uh, there are definitely a transition from uh, web-only product to uh, mobile product uh, is also a challenge, and uh, we uh, have a. Uh, interesting mix of uh, native and not native technologies. So yeah, like uh, not every macro works uh, as a, we want uh, natively, uh, but uh, that's what we are targeting for. Uh, and is it a secret what not native technologies do you use? Like uh, HTML, JavaScript, oh. CSS, <laughs> right? So uh, 
Uh, that's, uh, yeah, like we're not using React Native uh, or... Um... That was a question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, about the rich text editor, uh, recently uh, Twitter shared uh, their uh, editor uh, as an open source project. Are you going to share something or maybe do you already uh, some uh, code open sourced? Uh, that's interesting as well. So uh, I am actually not sure uh, is the editor shared or not, but maybe it is already by now. Uh, I so, mean, uh, it, it's iOS ed editors they did share. Uh, the, uh, our editor right now not native, right? So we need to uh, reuse enormous amount of capabilities across uh, web and mobile and across actually like iOS and Android. So the uh, support for this is very challenging across all the uh, um, platforms that we target. Uh, that's probably like the one of the very little things that I can accept as uh, not being native. So just because of uh, the amount of efforts that need to be invested in to do this natively right across everything. Yeah, it's very costly. Nikita, I have one question which is uh, bothering me a bit. Uh, for the whole last year, we are working from home mostly, like almost everybody. So, do you see that be uh, that as affecting the processes or like practices? I mean, how it's different now to be developing from home, and uh, do you think is that something will stay on from now? I mean, we found something like beautiful in working from home? <laughs> I'm sure there is a different uh, situation for different regions, but for me personally, that would be very hard to justify my old commute of uh, 45 to or like an hour to the work uh, after I worked for home, uh, from home like for so long time, right? So probably like I would switch to uh, like to um, rare visits to the office for socializing with uh, co-workers, but not for actually doing the work. Like we already proved that uh, to do the work, you don't need to be in the office. But uh, meanwhile, uh, I know that uh, some of the Silicon Valley companies are beating on the, definitely like have people in the office and so they see this as a competitive advantage. And uh, I think that's my change the direction for everyone, right? So uh, let's imagine the situation that Google is bringing everyone back into the office and now all, all the engineers are much more efficient due to the face-to-face -face collaboration, right? So uh, other companies are left behind in the dust, right? Like they need to catch up like with this efficiency. So they may want to have the same because uh, uh, in a Bay Area in particular, we didn't have an option to decide like to go remote or stay as we like work. It's enforced by uh, our Santa Clara County and other counties around, right? Like, so it wasn't like uh, a decision dri driven by the business. So the next step would be when the county would say, okay, so you can back, go back to the office. That's where the business would decide what works, right? And depends on this, we will see, yeah. But uh, in terms of the changes of the processes and how that's affected our like 
day-to-day lives. It's also like depends. Like uh, Atlassian is a very big company, and uh, we have a set of uh, standardized approaches to the work uh, to work, and uh, we have our playbooks and so on that helps us to uh, run some standard rituals. But meanwhile, it's all about the process tailoring, right? So teams have a different uh, maturity and at different stages of the teams, you need different processes, right? Like some teams need more help with uh, organization and like estimation. Some teams uh, are uh, good hitting the timelines no matter what, like and uh, they're giving as much as possible time to focus not on estimation, but on actual like delivery, right? So they're like, and different priorities, and uh, that includes the um, uh, the ability to work remotely. So uh, Trello, uh, which is also part of Atlassian, uh, they are uh, remote first, right? Like uh, they um, have a lot of interesting rituals that we uh, learned actually. So, uh, for for example, like from time to time, Trello folks. Uh, um, appearing by the incident or on purpose in the same room, right? But meanwhile, they still need to have a meetings with others. And when they have a meeting, they're all dialing in from their laptops, uh, even if they like uh, sit next to each other, right? So that's an inclusive environment for everyone in the meeting. There is no like advantage of like some people, some group of people being in the meeting room and the rest is dialing in. So such small, uh, cheats, I would say, yeah, like they helps uh, helps us like to be more like remote friendly. And uh, uh, yet another thing is, for example, standups, right? So uh, it's not only about being remote. It's also like very often, like as of today, being in different time zones, right? So for the different time zones, my team in particular have a standup room in Slack stand-up channel and uh, everyone is encouraged to write the stand-up notes at the same time but that's not always the case but meanwhile you can go like into the channel and uh, read all the history of the stand-up notes that ever were like produced that's also like a good ritual of ours and uh, it's uh, um, yeah like the stand-up is not only like the your status report Right, it's not like one-way communication, but uh, Slack works very well to jump on some particular uh, stand-up note and start conversation around it as well. Mm. So, so it, it seems that, it seems that uh, we we work on we work the on, uh, like how do they call it asynchronous, asynchronous communications, communications more now, more right? Now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think like that's uh, uh, we trying to focus not only on. Uh, uh, not being in the same room, but also not being in the same room at the same time, right? So that's uh, next, even the next step. And uh, uh, our companies of today, I think, have uh, some limitation on this. We're expecting most of the people to have an overlap of X amount of hours. I actually don't remember the particular number because uh, I'm not affected by this. But uh, if you would uh, imagine to move to some other region and still want to stay in the same team, uh, you would need to consider this overlap with your team in an hours of work. 
Okay, thanks. Uh, that was uh, like uh, some interesting tricks. Uh, I think uh, we can use them too. But uh, let's go some more technical discussion. And uh, when you were hired, maybe some uh, problems you were like uh, tasked or challenged to solve for uh, advance, or did you set up it uh, for yourself? Uh, to something improve, or did they have uh, something uh, they want? Uh, they were, were like a problem, and uh, they hired you to solve it. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's an interesting question, and it's especially relevant for like the moment when I was hired, uh, because uh, the challenge that Confluence Mobile had when uh, I was hired is a transition of Confluence Mobile from. Australia to US. So Atlassian uh, realized at some point that uh, uh, you cannot build uh, an engineering office and uh, teams without uh, giving them direct access to the product. So uh, we uh, had a global presence. Uh, we had an office in US, we had an office in Australia and so on, but majority of the um, products were in the Sydney office and uh, our platform office in Mountain View, uh, they didn't have a, a product to work on. They were like doing components, but uh, like the platform solutions, but they were like in isolation. Uh, and it's uh, challenging to do this with a, without a proper uh, feedback loop, right? And the decision was made, so okay, like we have a Confluence product in Sydney next to Jira, but what if we will bring the confluence as a whole to, de to be developed in Mountain View? And there were like a huge migration of engineers, product people and designers to US. So everyone was like uh, invited to move to US uh, and uh, continue work on confluence or join uh, other products in Sydney. And uh, at this point, not uh, many mobile engineers moved uh, to US. We got actually uh, some very talented folks moved from Android team and uh, our um, iOS uh, peers decided to stay in Sydney. And I was the first uh, mobile engineer for Confluence Mobile in a Mountain View office. So the goals for me uh, as an engineer was uh, actually to get all this like hands over for the code base that is like totally unfamiliar for me. Like I, I was like very happy to be the user of Confluence for a long, long time, right? So I understood the product, uh, at least this wasn't a surprise, but uh, how it's done inside and uh, uh, how like uh, to evolve it further, it was a challenge, yeah. So. And uh, while we were uh, getting a better understanding of the product uh, uh, and engineering uh, directions, we also were like doing active hiring. So uh, building the team from scratch in uh, Mountain View office was also one of my tasks. Mm, so your onboarding was pretty not soft. <laughs> and uh, actually, uh, you had to discover all the code base and uh, the interesting thing is that uh, you, you need to discover it and uh, all the newcomers uh, are faced to this and even uh, people who are long in the project. How do you 
struggle with uh, implementing the same things twice or more, or like uh, organized uh, quarterly usage. Uh, can you specify a little bit more about the uh, quarterly usage between what parts? So there are lots of um, ways to reuse code, like uh, some parts of functionality, like um, or uh, or some utils. Mm -hmm. Any? Yeah, yeah. Like for mm -hmm. the, um, it's actually um, interesting about the code usage. Like one one of our like uh, dark secrets you already know, right? The HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Uh, but uh, back then. Um, Confluence Mobile was uh, more lightweight. We were like not heavy on the uh, platform components. So, um, and I and I think that it's actually a good decision to start from. So, like, don't, don't try to build the framework. Don't try to build the platform. Right? Uh, do the product first, and when you like reach some like once again maturity levels, when you have a budget, when you have a people, yeah, like you can start to extract parts and to uh, make the components out of it. Uh, we um, had uh, several tries uh, to reuse the code between Jira and Confluence, for example, uh, for like right from the beginning. And uh, uh, at the beginning, it's kind of challenging because uh, um, you need to understand your use case, you need to understand yet another product use case, mm -hmm. you need to ensure that your changes in the shared component doesn't uh, degrade the experience in the other product, where like you may not have all the test cases from the other product in, in your code base, right? So uh, that was uh, not the best experience, right? Mm -hmm. So but uh, that's where like the realization uh, arrived that we actually need uh, platform teams for mobile as well. And uh, when the platform team works on the developing of the components, that's totally different uh, mm -hmm. approach, right? So, uh, and uh, in our case, it's interesting that the platform sometimes uh, driving more of the product decisions. Mm -hmm. So they not only um, developing what we need, they also having a better understanding of the user needs because they like uh, dedicating to some particular button or like the screen, they dedicating a ton of time, they having all this uh, interviews with the users, they uh, trying different uh, A-B tests and so on until uh, the moment that they know that's the best option possible. And uh, we, uh, yeah, like, so uh, one, of our uh, company values is actually like open company, no bullshit. So I will tell you clearly how, how it is. We, from time to time, we're having the uh, clashes with platform about like uh, how they constrain our product in some particular direction. And it's because we not always uh, uh, looking into the use cases from all the sides, right? From the Jira side, from the Confluence side, we may miss some part of understanding, but they like experts of their domain and they really like can provide input. And like this uh, understanding may like not, not always clicking, right? So we and not seeing the full picture they do. Yeah, we think on the other part. So the platform works well, but also uh, bringing very interesting uh, challenges. So, um, 
this approach of uh, uh, like move fast, break things uh, with the platform uh, is uh, not what you can do because of the uh, amount of changes that delivered to your product, right? So the platform is huge. Like you have like enormous amount of dependencies and you are like updating them on a regular basis, right? And you have uh, uh, a lot of things changing in your products or uh, you need many, many layers of uh, automation to be confident with such updates. And still like uh, some of the things we didn't master yet how to automate to test. So we have also like uh, layers of manual testing uh, uh, embedded, yeah. Uh, so uh, I, about sharing a code base uh, between different projects, I have a small story that was not so painful. Uh, it uh, sounded strange at first, but it works not bad. Uh, we decided to do the second project right in the same workspace. Uh, and... Uh, uh, Code review, they uh, were in one list for uh, both teams who know both code base, and uh, it was uh, worked um, pretty good for us. This uh, uh, yet another strategy that worked partially mm -hmm. in our company. So that's a monorepo, right? Where mm -hmm. you put all the projects, all the libraries into the same repository, and as a result, yes, the pull request and everything in the same place. If you broke the one of the components, it would break the whole repo. So you like starting mm -hmm. to recover this whole thing. So um, that's uh, works, but it's also like challenging uh, to uh, migrate into the mono repo when you already started it, like mm -hmm. in, in different approach. Yeah, like so. But uh, um, our platform components, the platform teams were like for some. Uh, for some time in the different repositories in Monorepo. And we have some other projects that have the their own sub-projects Monorepo as well. Like maybe, maybe like at some point we would uh, uh, put everything into the single repository, but there are like also uh, compliance questions, right? So uh, I'm, I'm not sure uh, is everyone familiar or not, but there is such things as a SOX compliance. Uh, which is uh, in enforcing you to follow some particular pull request process and so on uh, for delivery of the code. And um, not every project need to follow it, but like the projects like uh, ours who are actually delivering the binary to uh, the end user in the app store have a different level of responsibility. So we have a different level of responsibility, so we cannot uh, shortcut some of the reviewing process uh, specific. But the platform, for example, uh, they can move a little bit faster because of the compliance reasons, like uh, the compliance expectations are lower. And we are the final edge who like validating everything. So you told you were the first engineer in the United States for this team. And uh, how uh, did it uh, change uh, for the for, for, uh, during these four years, uh, the team and the code base. It's uh, obviously like we scaled it a lot. Like we scaled the code, we scaled the uh, like scaled the product, scaled the team. Uh, the size of the team, um, even like they're like now not a team but teams, right? So we started from the single mobile team. We uh, transitioned. Um, 
into the into squats where like the uh, squat was like about the uh, vertical of the functionality in confluence so we even like distributed the mobile engineers uh, across the different uh, cross-platform teams so we had a full stack of uh, web front and mobile uh, engineer size and android and the back. Uh, like uh, feature teams uh, it, it's uh, not a feature teams uh, because uh, yeah like you features have an end right mm -hmm. but there were like more uh, teams around the uh, domains of responsibility for example, the discovery and organization of content, right? So it may be responsible for like many things, for example, like search or the page tree and confluence and so on. So that, uh, su such organizations uh, had their own mobile engineers. And so when they uh, developing something for web, they can consider like how it would work on mobile. And actually, like on the scale of confluence, it's... Uh, uh, very common question like uh, how it would work on mobile and are, are we not forgetting about mobile right because that also could be a situation so uh, but uh, I, I think like we're doing an amazing job of uh, um, leveraging the mobile specific uh, and do the like mobile first features as well as not forgetting to uh, uh, decrease the gap in the functionality between mobile and web but after we tried this, uh, we actually um, noticed that we are not uh, emphasizing mobile enough, right? So as soon as you're embedding the mobile engineers into this cross-platform uh, verticals, uh, you're starting to develop it as web, right? So that's not as, uh, as beneficial for the mobile product in specific. So we uh extracted back all our mobile engineers and put them into the separate teams but uh, with a, a mobile focus so mm, as of today we have the verticals verticals are like um, yet again about the some particular domains of responsibility in the product but they consist of ios and android engineers they have their own uh, mobile focused product owners and designers and uh, this uh, this is like actually based on the Conway law, which is prescribed that the organization defining the architecture in your product affecting the, our, uh, our architecture as well, right? So everyone is trying to um, extract the domain of responsibility into their own code base, like at least into their own modules, right? Uh, the, uh, trying to like minimize uh, dependencies on the other teams, like to enable themselves to move faster. So that's, uh, uh, I, I think like that's my favorite hack actually. Like, so as a engineer and as an architect, uh, I'm struggling from time to time to uh, deliver the message of like how the things preferably to be done. But as soon as you like, don't, don't change the architecture, just change the teams, right? Like to, if you want some classes or modules to appear in your product, like create a team around this. And doesn't even tell them that like their classes or modules need to be done. They would extract this because the uh, Conway law is an extremely, extremely efficient way to drive the architecture. We have a question from one of our um, listeners, and uh, he wants to hear 
if you have any secrets on how to be self-organized or like you're you're representing the company who teaches us to be organized to be effective to be like doing the projects in the most beautiful way so can you share something like to be effective what we can reuse that's uh yeah i uh i probably uh not the best example of the uh, organized person I'm, uh, I, I think like, uh, I personally mastered the chaos, right? So I can like, uh, juggle like many, many different, uh, parallel streams of work and to not be distracted, but like yet another message in a Slack, uh, that's arriving at the same time, but it's all about, uh, actually not to be organized. So, uh, there are people who. Uh, having the tasks uh, listed uh, every morning, they, they also uh, have the calendars uh, marked for some focus time and so on. But in my case, I'm uh, ready for unknown, right? So like there would be like a lot of tasks through the day and a lot of people would need my help. Like they would, uh, uh, wouldn't know how to investigate some uh, code like where they would need to develop something and I'm available for the team, right? So like when I'm available for the team, that means that I uh, do not control my own schedule, right? That's uh, there are others who control my schedule. But when I was um, really like the IC, like individual contributor who like uh, need to deliver feature X and nothing else through the day, I was a big fan of uh, getting done framework. So that's, that's did help me as a personal productivity framework. And, uh, it's definitely like something that works. The only thing that, uh, any frameworks that you would choose, and so like a ton of them need to become a habit, right? So, and it doesn't work uh, if you just like trying a couple of days and, uh, and you think, oh, like that's, uh, too much effort. I'm struggling with this. So I'm, I'm giving up, right? So like try at least uh, several months. Because after several months, you wouldn't notice the effort. It would be like your second nature to execute framework of your choice. Thank you very much uh, for these insights and um, for all the information you were able to share with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, uh, for all our listeners and uh, viewers, we will be coming back on April 6th on our next episode and uh, don't forget to subscribe, share, uh, tweet or whatever you do with social networks, uh, spread the word. And Nikita, yeah, thanks again and uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye.